Explore Milwaukee's past and its future, one building at a time. This is Urban Spelunking with On Milwaukee's Bobby Tanzillo and me, Nate Immig, from 88.9. All right, we're going to downtown Milwaukee this week on Urban Spelunking, doing kind of a, a little series, Bobby, of, of spelunking stories about outdoor places, places that you can go and spelunk on your own and you don't need a, to go inside anywhere. So we're talking about this piece of public art on 2nd in Wisconsin, uh, Richard Haas Mural, that has been, it's always been there, but it's getting a little bit more attention as the Warner Grand Theater in downtown Milwaukee is also undergoing a major transformation. So so where is this mural? What does it look like? And what's the story here? How did, the, how did it get on this building? Okay, so this is on the side of the um, office tower that is part of the building that houses the Warner Grand Theater, which the symphony is converting into its new home. Um, and it was Painted in 1981, designed by a guy who was an artist, a New York artist who was a Milwaukee guy originally, um, painted these kinds of uh, Trompe l'Oeil murals all around the country, cities all around the country, also around the world, was in Munich and some other countries. And these were, he painted the side of this building to look like it had windows. I mean, it's supposed to look like a finished side of a building where there was sort of a, just a plain side of the building. And... Down the middle, it's supposed to have a big multi-story panel of glass that reflects toward East Wisconsin Avenue, toward the lakefront. And in that reflection, you can see some buildings that are still there, like the Gimbel's building. Um, But he also painted some buildings that were gone, including the uh, Lakeshore train depot that was at the end of Wisconsin Avenue that had been torn down in, I think, 68. Um, And he painted the Pabst building, which had been on water in Wisconsin until just the year before this mural was painted it was basically being torn down as the mural was going up yeah and this mural doesn't exactly like pop out at you and i think that's probably the intent right it kind of blends into the building and, and looks like a building itself it's, it's very meta but it reflects these buildings that um you know the, the actual painted mural is a painting of a reflection of these buildings that are no longer there yeah and weren't there in 1981 and i guess that's to me really interesting that um when the artist richard haas painted this it was kind of with this built-in fondness about this like bygone era of milwaukee and we're kind of reliving that again as it's becoming relevant again tying into this new project yeah well he left here in 1961 to go off to college and then never came back to live here again after that so his memories of milwaukee were of these buildings that were no longer there and he said he painted them because he wanted the the reflection to actually reflect his memory of the city more than the reality the current reality of the city um and I think when it was painted, it was pretty vibrant. And I mean, it was a big deal in town. So people knew that it was there and, and sort of oohed and odd over it. And um, But as the years have gone on, it's kind of faded in a little bit in terms of color. Um, but also, I think we just got used to it being there and we stopped looking at it. You know, I mean, we stopped sort of appreciating that it was there. Um, and it's sort of come back into our consciousness because... Uh, as the symphony is redoing this whole complex, they're building a whole new building next door to it. And they actually put in a skylight in their new construction building uh, so that people in the building can look up and see the mural. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. So it's this fact that they're appreciating it in such a um, active sort of way that I think makes us think about it again. And as part of their project, they they say they are going to touch up and kind of um, sort of refresh the mural. They're not going to change it. They're just going to, you know, fix parts that might be cracking or whatever. Um, 
but I think that's happening sort of at the end of the project. Um, so it has not happened yet. Yeah, that's very cool, though, that, that um, the mural not only is going to be kept, but slightly touched up. So it, uh, you know, really is at the same par of the other public art. We've seen such an explosion of murals and, and public art in Milwaukee, um, you know, permanent and temporary. You know, I'm thinking like Sculpture Milwaukee making that yearly show and some of those becoming permanent. And then all the murals um, connected to social justice um, and then just this more like artistic ones that have been on buildings and in places. It's really part of our, our city's story is public art. And interesting that, you know, it's not new. This was happening in the early 80s and, and before that even. Yeah, it's interesting, though, if you think that, I mean, if you think back to it, uh, maybe you're not old enough to think back to it, but I'm old enough to, <laughs> to think back to it. I mean, around like when I got here in the early 80s, 1983, this mural was there. Um, and there were a couple of others. I think of the one that's on that building in Walker's Point with the big phoenix and the rainbow. Uh -huh. um, that was there. Um, there was one on the like South First Street that had a bunch of community leaders painted on it. Um, but really, you could sort of count on one or two hands all of the murals around town. And now, I'm not even sure I could tell you all of the ones that are being done at the moment. <laughs> there are so many, like Villard. <laughs> right. I mean, the Villard neighborhood is doing like five or six of them. West Dallas, downtown West Dallas, has just done like four or five of them. Menominee Falls downtown has just painted like nine of them or something. There's I mean, all over the city of Milwaukee too. They're ju they're just everywhere. I mean, we can't even, you can barely list them anymore. <laughs> Downtown Tosa, like East Tosa actually um, has a bunch, you know, that they painted the summer before last. Um, so yeah, it's really just, it really has, it's something that has always been here to an extent, but has really, really exploded in the last say three or four years. Yeah, so this, this mural, could very well then be kind of thought of as one of the like early Milwaukee public art murals as we've moved into this this phase of public art. We're going to talk more about Richard Haas, the artist of this mural, and his connection to Frank Lloyd Wright. It's coming up next on Urban Spelunking. Radio Milwaukee is on a mission. And if you're here to discover new perspectives on music in Milwaukee, then you're on a mission too. Join today to support the programming you love. Visit RadioMilwaukee.org and click the orange heart. And we're back in downtown Milwaukee this week on Urban Spelunking, second in Wisconsin, talking about this mural that it's been there since 1981. And I guess more, perhaps more eyeballs will be on it as it is getting a little restoration. And um, it's it's right by this Warner Grand Theater in downtown Milwaukee, which is being, uh, which is a, an active construction site and some, some talk of possibly restoring parts of this mural. So let's talk about the artist himself, Richard Haas. Um, he grew up in Milwaukee, right, in the 1960s and then left? Uh, he was born in 1936 in the Spring Green, actually, okay. uh, which is where Frank Lloyd Wright's Taliesin oh, is. Okay. You know? yes. uh, and his father was a butcher there, but they moved to Milwaukee when he was just seven. Um, and he went to grade school in West Dallas, went to Pius High, um, and then went to UWM for a little while. And then after that, he, uh, he taught, actually, at Lincoln High School for a little while, which is now Lincoln Middle School of the Arts. Um, and then after that, he um, went 
to get his master's degree and then he was a professor and then he went off to New York and he, he never lived here again after that. Um, but his work was, as we said in the first part, his, his work was ubiquitous in the United States for a while, like in the second half of the seventies, first half of the eighties. I mean, they were, he had a famous one in Times Square. He had one in oh, Brooklyn, really? okay. one in Chicago, Des Moines. I think there was wow. one in St. Louis, Galveston, Boston. There was another one in Madison. What's interesting is a lot of them have gone away. Like when I talked to him, he said that um, he was especially pleased that the Milwaukee one was going to get touched up because so many of them had sort of suffered the same fate of the buildings that he memorialized in the Milwaukee one. You know, they, they were up for a while, but then the buildings came down and the murals came down with them. Um, what he, another thing he really liked about the Milwaukee mural was that it was right across the street from where he had um, gotten a job when he was a teenager. Okay. So, so it, like he just he he just decided he wanted to make his mark um, in the city somehow, and then it, he never really sort of accomplished that at the time. But he felt like later on it sort of had come full circle because at that same intersection that he can remember standing at when he was working at this shoe store. He, he feels like he left an enduring mark um, with this mural. And what I thought was funny is he's had such a, um, he's had such a illustrious career. I mean, there's been books written about his murals and stuff, you know, um, they were well known. He's well known um, Yeah. that his career has been so varied and illustrious that it took a couple of conversations with him before he remembered to tell me that uh, he was just like, oh, yeah, I think I forgot to mention that I worked for Frank Lloyd Wright for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what kind of career do you have to have to, like, forget the Frank Lloyd Wright part? <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, a little name you might know. You would think that would be, like, the main part, right? Right. Like, hi, I'm Richard Haas. I worked for Frank Lloyd Wright. <laughs> yeah, and, I wonder as a muralist, I mean, when, when you're making things in the, you know, for the public, for public art, it's got to be so... Uh, like probably heartbreaking when a building goes down and your work goes along with it. Um, I wonder if that just kind of goes with the territory, like if an artist ever gets used to that possibility or um, if it is just like a dagger to see your work taken down like that. He seemed sort of, I mean, he didn't seem, I mean, he seemed a little sad about it, but he didn't seem terribly heartbroken about it. I think he know. I think, you know, to, in a sense, you have to know as a muralist that, you're painting what for some reason or another is very likely a temporary thing, right? Because like yeah. if you paint a canvas, you know, you can move it here, you can move it there or whatever. But I mean, if somebody wants to change what's going on, like if they want to take the building down, nobody is saving somehow finding a way to save a brick wall with something painted on it. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah. <laughs> the odds are slim that that's going to happen. So you must have some sense even when you're painting it, that someday it's going to be gone. Did Haas mention what he did with Frank Lloyd Wright? It sounds like he was not a very um, illustrious position with Frank Lloyd Wright. He said his, his uncle was a stonemason that worked on Wright projects with Wright. Um, and it sounded like he assisted his uncle. So I, I got the sense that he was not specific, but I get the sense he was like carrying bricks here and there and mixing mortar or something, you know? <laughs> well, hey, if you're gonna if you're gonna be mixing mortar and carrying bricks, you might as well be doing it for somebody like Frank Lloyd Wright to well, launch your career, right? <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, um, you see these murals um, in Milwaukee, and you know a lot of them made by are made by local artists, but then you know we hear about these these artists like this one that has this 
you know, globally, internationally known artist. I had no idea that that he had such this profile and that this mural was even here in the first place. So to hear this this story about something that's been sitting there on a building since the early 80s in plain sight, that's pretty interesting. Well, what was interesting to me is that I had heard of him and I knew he painted murals all over the place. But I guess I, if I had known, I'd forgotten that he had a Milwaukee connection. So I was pleased uh, when I contacted him and talked to him that he had so much to say about Milwaukee and you know that he had lived so much of his life here. Um, and he still has family here and comes to visit very occasionally. Um, so that was kind of a nice bonus for me <laughs> as a writer to, that he actually had a Milwaukee connection. Well, a very cool Milwaukee story, especially if you're really keeping up on the public art in the city, which there's a lot to keep up with. This is one that that really folds into that conversation. You can find uh, photos and much more history and tons of great info about the artist and about the mural on 2nd and Wisconsin. Podcasts here on 88.9 are produced by Kenny Perez. Handcrafted Sonic Inspiration comes from the License Lab with support from your membership and from On Milwaukee. You can subscribe to this podcast and all of 88.9's podcasts at radiomilwaukee.org slash podcasts or anywhere else that you listen to your podcasts. Join us next week. We're going to be uh, continuing our outdoor spelunking at Milwaukee's lakefront, talking about the history, how the, the lakefront was built. Uh, that's a really interesting story, Bobby. Looking forward to uh, getting into that next. Thanks, Nate.